Thank you for downloading this podcast from Emmanuel Church Lurgan. At Emmanuel, our vision is to help rewrite the story of Craigavon, Ireland and the nations with the good news of the Kingdom of God. We hope you enjoy listening to this message. Um, good, to, good to be back again. I know we always say that every time we're here, but it really is so good uh, being back again. Um, we're, we're blessed to be part of the church, aren't we? And we're blessed to be part of the Church of God. And uh, I, I've just really experienced the blessing of that just myself. Um, yeah, many of you know that it's just been the last couple of months I've been a bit ropey uh, with things. Um, I had the first, first relapse of MS in about eight years. Um, and it was one of those ones that was a bit of a, bit of a gunk when it happened. Um, I'm just really thankful, though, to be part of a church like this. Um, just a church that loves uh, and a church that supports. Um, it was, I think the last time I was up speaking was at the more towards the start of February, and it was on a Sunday morning, and it was just around that stage that everything started to kick off, so what had happened, I got a lot of uh, really bad double vision this time, and so I was standing at the front, and I actually started to see two of Lucy Pickering uh, up, up on the stage, not that that's always a bad thing, Lucy, um, and, uh, and things just progressively got worse and worse, but I, I just wanted to just, uh, at the beginning, I just, I just wanted to say thank you, and uh, thank you for, for loving, loving me, I want to say thank you to Phil. Um, to Al and Chris, many of the people who supported me, just stepping in for things that I was doing, to elders, management team, staff, um, everyone just for their support and just giving me the time that I needed just to get well. And so thank you. Thank you for your love. Uh, I've really appreciated it. But it's good being back. It's good being back into this. Um, and uh, it's just been, yeah, it's, it's been an honor over the last few weeks. I just received just so many words of support and love that people have shown. It wasn't all bad. Many of you will have seen probably when I was here, but I actually got from the uh, Royal Hospital a trendy pair of new glasses uh, that I was wearing for a while. Uh, it was one of those ones when I first got it, I thought, man, these look a bit dodgy. And then my next thought was, well, actually, these, these retro glasses are pretty in, aren't they? <laughs> I started to think to myself, Mark Knox wears glasses like this. And I thought, this can't be that bad. And then uh, I, I actually said to Heather, it's like, Heather, you know, when I'm finished with these, I could give them to Mark. And Heather's response was, Dave, I don't even think Mark would wear glasses like that. <laughs> so. And then probably just uh, the, the nail in the coffin was the front of church work, praying with me. It was probably one of the most honest prayers I've ever heard someone pray when he stood at the front of church and he said, God, I just pray that you'll make Dave better so he doesn't have to wear these stupid looking glasses on him. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's when I knew I needed rid of them. <laughs> it's, it's great being part of family. It's at times, I guess, that you recognize just, just how much we need each other. And uh, so I just want to say thank you. Thank you for your blessing. It's good being back again, even in this, in the teaching series. So we've had a couple of weeks off. Um, let me just flick through this, this, is what Robbie was doing. We had a couple of weeks off, obviously, with... Rewrite the story, wasn't that amazing? Uh, the stories that were shared uh, on the video just a couple of weeks ago, um, an amazing job Andrew and Tash did in pulling that together, and just such a, a blessing to the church, and then our encounter night last week, but uh, we're back into this, and as Robbie's already said, the reason, the reason why we've put the structure in place within a Sunday night is because we just want to try and frame this all around the kingdom of heaven. 
the kingdom of heaven is present, it's with us. Jesus declared these words, the kingdom of heaven is at hand, and he meant that it's here, it's right now, it's present, something we can actually engage with. And so the reason why, just to briefly say it, the reason why we're doing this, like we'll do this maybe once a month, we'll keep doing, uh, repeating this pattern. The reason why we're printing it out so you can see this and take this with you is we hope that the more and more and more you start to do this, it becomes a more natural part of how you might engage with the kingdom of heaven, because that's what we're saying, the kingdom of heaven is present in every aspect and every moment of our lives. And if we would just take the moments to be still and to know the voice in the heart of God, that's why it's important. And so it's not as if we're saying that this is the only way to do it, but it is a way that as you even engage with the word, this would be a great, a great way of being able to, to hear what God is saying to you as you ask these questions and many of the other things. But it's also for this reason that this is why we are teaching on Sermon on the Mount. Sermon on the Mount within this so 166 is the name we give to Sunday nights, but a Sermon on the Mount just was where Jesus in Matthew 5 to 7 specifically proclaims the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God. This is the thing that is most significant to us. This is the thing that we need to go after with all that we have. This is the thing that we're going to look tonight that is the thing that we need to give our most significant yes to and to strive after for more and more and more and never, ever settle for anything less. This is what ultimately John 10.10 10 is all about. As we engage with the kingdom of heaven, this is what leads to fullness of life. As we engage with the kingdom of God. And so let's not miss what God is doing in these moments. You'll know that um, in the opening a couple of weeks on this, when we looked at the Sermon on the Mount, we, we started just to explain that the whole reason is as Jesus, as he starts to teach, there's a crowd that stands in front of him. And Jesus, it says that he, he saw them, so he saw right into the depths of their heart and their minds. He saw all the issues that they were facing, all the insecurities that they were worried with, all the different life struggles that they were going through, all the different voices and things and narratives that were spoken over their lives, rightly or wrongly. And it's into these that Jesus starts to speak about how the kingdom of heaven can be involved for these people. And so what Jesus does is Jesus brings them up a mountain. Jesus brings them up to the place where he loves to get alone and spend time with God and where he engages with the kingdom of heaven best. And Jesus, out of this place, starts to teach, and he starts to teach them that the kingdom of heaven is for everyone. So for everyone in the room tonight, this is the good news. The kingdom of heaven is for everyone. You can engage with the kingdom of heaven. Every single person that is sitting here, the kingdom of heaven is for you. But what Jesus also goes on to teach, which we've been reflecting on over the last number of weeks, is Jesus starts to teach each of the disciples that are sitting listening to him up the mountain how to position and how to posture yourself so that you can experience more of the kingdom of God. This is something that we have to be intentional about the different ways that we step into the more that God has for us. And so just to say that over, um, before we go into this, so Matthew 6, 19 is where we're at tonight, as we've just read on the sheet. But the, the three passages or the three references almost before this, what Jesus does is, in light of this, Jesus starts to teach on some spiritual disciplines, which are a way, again, of being able to engage with the kingdom of heaven. Because this is what it's really about. He was almost like he's saying to the disciples, here's some ways, almost like we're trying to give out with these little tools. And we're saying, here's some ways of being able to try to engage with the kingdom of heaven. Jesus is saying, here's some spiritual disciplines that if you embed them in your life, you can start to experience God more. And so Ryan taught in this a few weeks ago, one of the spiritual disciplines of generosity given to the needy. This is something we're going to touch on this more tonight. Tash looked about the significance of this in praying, you know, where he taught the Lord's Prayer. And then the third one, which we didn't uh, do because uh, just of the way the structure's gone, just with uh, our rewrite the story nights and things, but we're going to touch on this perhaps on the morning series at some point, is fasting. 
some of these things that Jesus says, as you embed them in your life, it makes space, creates space for you to be able to draw near to God and to know him in this moment and to know the kingdom of heaven. And what we go on to tonight and next week, I'm going to be looking at specifically, Jesus starts to teach on this, lordship and possessions. He starts to say, this is what it means, because this was the message that was proclaimed. Jesus is Lord. Really easy to say these in words, but Jesus starts to teach, this is actually what it means to say that Jesus is Lord, and this is how you live it out, particularly around this whole area of possessions, what you own, what is yours, and Jesus speaks into this, and this is where we will go tonight. I'm just going to just uh, touch on a few points of this, and then leave us some time to reflect. What we're going to do, just to start, we're going to read the passage again, only this time we're going to read it in the message, it's going to be on the screen, so let's follow along with us just as we go through. So Jesus says this, Matthew 6, 19 in the message. Don't hoard treasure down here where it gets eaten by moths and corroded by rust, or worse, stolen by burglars. Stockpile treasure in heaven where it's safe from moth and rust and burglars. It's obvious, isn't it? The place where your treasure is, is the place you will most want to be and you'll end up being. Your eyes are windows into your body. If you open your eyes wide in wonder and belief, your body fills up with light. If you live squinty-eyed in greed and distrust, your body is a dank cellar. If you pull the blinds on your windows, what a dark life you will have. You can't worship two gods at once. Loving one God, you'll end up hating the other. Adoration of one feeds contempt for the other. You can't worship God and money both. You can't worship God and money both. This is the thing, money, 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 money. Money is one, is such a massive issue in many of our lives. Sometimes some people have lots of money. Sometimes people have very little money. It is one of the, those controlling forces in our lives. Some of the things people would really like to do, sometimes they can, but sometimes they can't because of financial restrictions and different things. You know that in your life. This is one of those significant things, but it has such a massive hold over people as well. And it's into this that Jesus speaks tonight. Here's some facts that are startling. So you've probably heard some of these before. And uh, some of these are probably even dated because of the growing size of the world's population. But this is what it says. One billion people in the world live in less than $1 per day. About three billion people in the world live in less than $2 per day. Imagine that. Many people in our own community are living below the poverty line. It's why we run our Compassion Project. Many people, not even just in our own community, many people, even part of our church family, have many financial struggles and restrictions. It's why we want to be able to support in that way. It's one of the conversations we would have repeatedly. And this is one of Nicola's big things she wants to just really hit home, is that what we do through Compassion is not just for people on the outside, it's for people on the inside of church as well. This is for all of us because money is a massive thing for many people and can cause many problems. And so that's why even... Uh, Nicola and Sandra, they just they're, they work tirelessly at even Renew, how we just want to support and bless people, even with uh, people who are in need of clothing and people who can't afford new clothing, we're able to bless in that way. Many people who are in need. But what I want you to do is just think for one moment, right? Think for one moment about some of the things that you have, some of the things that you would define as you saying that you own them. Just take a minute. 
Think of some of the things in your life that are yours. Maybe even you could think of what's, what's your, your most favorite possession that you have. What are some of the things that you spend your money on? As, 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 I, as I reflect on this, I, I recognize that I'm the blessing of, of our home. And some of the things that we own, we, we have food in our cupboard. I spend a lot of my money on coffee. <laughs> I, I love coffee. And you know what? What I'm about to say, the, the last thing Jesus is saying for us to do, because in our morning series is following Jesus in all of life, the last thing Jesus is telling us is to follow him into poverty. But yet what we read is that the Jesus that we follow, what we read in the Gospels, we see that he, when he was here on earth, had nothing. He lived in a hot, dry, dusty country. This same Jesus who, while he was in heaven, is from God, all things come. He's the one who's given us everything. But while he is here on earth as Jesus in flesh, he is the one who ate food that he either fished, farmed, or was given to him. He lived in little, and he lived from the generosity of others. Jesus knew all about hunger and thirst. <laughs> Literally knew what it was. This is why Jesus was so adamant, and we're going to see this tonight, that Jesus is so adamant about us looking out for people that are in need, because Jesus was someone who knew what it was to live under the generosity and from generosity of other people and to be blessed by other people. This is why he's calling us as his disciples to be able to look out, and we're going to see this tonight. Actually, this has been part of the God story right from the beginning. Great quote from Scott McKnight. I love what it says. Like the ancient prophets, Jesus' teaching in, the, in our passages isn't simply about the ideal society, and neither is it an economic theory. This is about worship and idolatry. It's about worship and idolatry. Because what you do with your money, we're going to look at this tonight, and what you do with your possessions and your attitude to, to with it is actually part of your worship. It has been absolutely amazing to stand here tonight and worship God with our songs and with our words. But what you do with your money and with your possessions and the think that you, things that you would say are mine, what you do with that and your attitude towards it is part of your worship towards God. And sometimes we need to be careful, and this is why we need the Spirit to search our hearts, because sometimes what can so easily happen is that we can slip into a position of what he says here, idolatry, where it suddenly starts to take the place of our heart. So one of the questions we should ask is this, what or where is your treasure? This is the word that Jesus mentions quite a bit, this idea of treasure. Jesus cuts right to the core of it, and he makes it clear to the disciples that were listening, and to us as his disciples who are reading these words and hearing them tonight, listen to this. This is what he says. This is what I would summarize it as I've written this down. If you or me, if we are committed to both Jesus and his kingdom, right? If you're saying tonight that you're committed to both Jesus and his kingdom, this is what we get out of what Jesus has just said in this passage tonight. So if you're sitting here tonight, you would put your hand up. If I was to say, put your hand up if you're committed to Jesus and his kingdom. Hopefully most of you in the room would put your hand up. Here's what Jesus says to those that follow him. If that is you, you are prohibited. You're not allowed. It is not part of what it means to be a disciple. You are prohibited from storing up treasures, right? That's the words of Jesus, now, hear this. Jesus is not saying it's wrong to have things. I have some things and you have some things. He's not saying it's wrong to have things. The idea of this word storing up treasure, what it is all about, it's about the accumulation of things as a focus of joy. Some people 
self-included. I need to check my heart repeatedly in this. Some people can get their joy and their satisfaction in other things. For some people in the room, and this is one of the barriers that I need to be so careful of, that sometimes my, the joy and, uh, and my heart's focus of God can sometimes be so easily given to other people, not necessarily other things, but given to other people, my family. <laughs> could be one of them. I, I know this. I recognize this. But Jesus is speaking into the issue here in terms of possessions. For many people, it's about the things that they own. It's the accumulation of things that actually just brings them so much joy and so delight. The money that's in the bank account at the end of the month, seeing all those zeros, zeros, zeros at the end, that's the goal. That's the dream. That's the thing that almost makes them feel so satisfied and brings them so much pleasure here on earth. And Jesus is going after this. It's a significant and again, Jesus has been really clear in his ministry. You know, we said this at the start, the kingdom of heaven is now, but it is also something to be lived into fully one day. Fully, we will experience it in eternity. Why we'll experience it right here now on earth. That's the beauty of being part of the kingdom of God. We can experience it right now. Fully, we will live into it in eternity. And what Jesus is trying to lead his disciples, what Jesus is trying to lead you and me to here tonight is this. Live your life in the kingdom now with the mindset of what is to come. I don't know about you, but sometimes I just don't really think about what's coming. It's not that I don't think about it, but it's, I just don't think that I give it enough thought than what I need to. Jesus says this, live your life in the kingdom now with the mindset of what is to come. This that we live in is not the full story. Phil used an analogy this morning, so he went into Dixie's office and stole a bottle of aftershave. So there you go, there's a bit of transparency and accountability. Yeah. <laughs> He put it back, apparently, actually, there you go. And, and this morning, he used it to show an analogy here in church, and he spread it, and he said, life is like, it's like a vapor, it's like a mist. This is what we are in right now. This is not the full story. There is so much more that is to come. And so Tash, when she was teaching on the Lord's Prayer, what we heard is one of the phrases that Jesus uses, and this is this, and this is key, on earth as it is in heaven. On earth as it is in heaven. This is a phrase we need to be saying to ourselves all the time. On earth, as it is in heaven. We'll say it again. On earth, as it is in How we will live in the kingdom to come is what we should be living like in the kingdom now. On earth, as it is in heaven. And so what we need to be asking ourselves is in relation to some of the things that we're talking about and specifically what Jesus is getting into, what is the, as it is in heaven, because as it is in heaven, that's what our mindset and our attitude should be to right now on earth as it is in heaven. In that kingdom and the kingdoms to come, we will live freely, fully, and the joy of our hearts will be fully Jesus. So what should it be now here on earth? This should be a place where we live freely, fully on the joy of our hearts would be Jesus. This is why Jesus is saying, going after about the significance of lordship. What is it that sometimes replaces him as Lord on our lives? This is what Jesus is adamant, that we can't, as people who say he is Lord, store up treasures, accumulate possession as a way of getting joy. That's not a heavenly mindset. So here, here's a posture test. Think, think of some of those possessions and things that we, you thought of earlier, things you had delight in. So I asked you, like, what's your most favorite possession? If you were thinking about how would you feel if, if it was taken away or if you lost? Imagine you had a Job, Job experience where you just lost so much of what you own, stuff that is yours. How would you feel? I know, rightly, it would cause some sense of grief or loss. 
do you feel, and I have to ask myself this, do you feel it would be able to have a sense of joy? Because this is where Jesus is saying that our minds focus and where our eyes focus needs to go is that on earth as it is in heaven. That if the focus of our heart and what brings us the most joy and satisfaction is what it would be in heaven and as it is in heaven right here now, then suddenly sometimes the circumstances that we go through in life means that we can still rejoice. This is why Paul was able to say things like, I'm suffering, but yet I'm rejoicing. It was an on earth as it is in heaven mindset and mentality for Paul. You know the story that I tell repeatedly, and so I'm not taking loads of time, but this is the thing that changed my life when I was in Cuba and I met Christians who had nothing, they had no possessions, they owned nothing, and this guy who was homeless, the person who was like the bottom of the scrap heap, and he was there, and he stood up in front of church, and he said this story with such a joy and happiness in his heart, he stands up and he says, I want to thank God because I have Jesus, I lack nothing, and I just see this man, that suddenly I see that the treasure of his heart is Jesus, for him it's an on earth as it is in heaven. These, this idea of possessions and what he didn't have wasn't the thing that was stealing his joy. His joy was fully and securely in Jesus. With Jesus, there's no ambiguity, and this is he's really clear on. You can't serve two masters. You just can't. You can't put your trust or get your joy in anything else other than God. Deuteronomy 6, God says to Moses, um, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. There's one God only. We know that, so this should be the only one thing. This is what Jesus is trying to get at. Just very briefly before I go on, some things that Jesus isn't saying on this, just to be really clear, because sometimes people use when they hear this, so people almost would think, so Jesus is saying, right, don't, don't be too worried about money. Put all your focus in him. Don't think about money. And so here's some of the things that people would say. One of the things that people think Jesus is saying, and he isn't saying this, is this idea, live frivolous. It's almost like whatever you have, just go, just go spend it. Right? Just get rid of it. Go spend whatever you want. It's not what he's saying at all, right? So this is not a kingdom mindset. He's not saying don't pay your taxes. He's not saying don't pay off your loans. He's not saying that because you want to guard your heart against uh, cons- uh, having too much money and possessions and that overtaking like the treasure of your heart that you don't then try to get money by working. So Jesus isn't saying don't work to provide for your family. Hear me in this. Jesus is not saying don't work to provide for your family. This was a creational mandate. And I want to say this tonight. If you have the ability to work, this is how God wants to provide for you. Right? If you have the ability and the health to be able to work, this is how God wants to provide for you. Through your ability. It's right from the beginning of time. Right? So do not use this where Jesus is saying like, as a way of guarding against this, like having possessions and stuff in the treasure of your heart, money and possessions. So we're like, well, then we'll not work. <laughs> And I'll spend all my time just worshiping Jesus. That's not what he's saying, right? So this is a way for you to be able to provide. And then finally, he's not saying don't save. He's not saying don't save. There could be some of the things that God calls you to do in your life that is going to need some sort of funding, that it may need you to set some side of things. What Jesus is getting at, that suddenly you use this to be able to go after stuff that suddenly takes the joy away from him and our hearts. These are not some of the things that Jesus is saying. Jesus is saying those store up treasures that last. Store up treasure that lasts. Right, what sort of things last? The Bible tells us this. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 13, 13, he talks about some things that will pass away. He says, but now these three remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love, our treasure, the things that bring us joy as we engage with the kingdom of daily should be in loving God 
and loving people as we experience this love, as we live out some of the kingdom's values and virtues. Imagine if some of the things that you treasured the most were things like justice, living peaceably with people, seeking wisdom above all else. They're the sort of stuff that lasts. Some of the materials and some of the possessions that I asked you earlier, some of the things that you own, you know what? They're just temporal. This is what Jesus is saying. You even know that. Like these, these clothes, I guarantee I'll not be wearing them in a few years, not just because I'll have outgrown them, but also because they'll, have been, they'll probably got holes and different things in them. You know that things like you have your cars break down, your phone, Apple have it all rigged, that suddenly after about two or three years, it's out of date and it doesn't work anymore because it brought out some software that isn't, you know what it's like. It's all temporal stuff, these things that suddenly take our treasure Jesus says, place it in stuff that lasts. Go after the kingdom of God. This is the thing that's most important. And if that's one of the things that I feel that even in times like the last couple of months, it's like, what is most important? What is it that you really want? That's what I feel God's saying. What is most important? What are the things that you really want? And for all of us, this is what Jesus says as disciples, go after the kingdom. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things will be added onto you. But you know what? Money isn't all bad. It's not all bad. If you have money, bless you. God is blessing you. And we, if you own a business and your business is succeeding and flourishing, we just pray the blessing of God over that. We pray God continues to bless you in that way. Jesus was blessed by many wealthy people. People who had come alive in the kingdom. We even see that, even like Joseph of Arimathea, the man who was seeking after the things of the kingdom, who gave of his tomb for Jesus' body to be placed in. Jesus says this in the passage we just read earlier, the eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. Jesus here probes what's really, what is really going on inside. This is what Jesus is asking. What's really going on inside your heart? That's why we do things like the spiritual practice as well of being able to examine our hearts. What's really going on inside? You know, we always hear people talk about this, how the light of the gospel shone upon me. Has the light of the gospel actually penetrated the very depths of who we are? Has it changed things? Because this is what's going on. So these two important words that have underlined healthy and bad. Another way for that word bad is just unhealthy. So is the eye, it says the eye in the message version, it says it's like it's a window to your soul. It allows us to see what's really going on inside of there. Is it healthy or unhealthy? Here's the two Greek words and understandings of these words, healthy and unhealthy. Healthy is this word haplos, which means generous. The word unhealthy is paneros, and it means stingy, right? Haplos, generous, paneros, stingy. What is really going on inside of your heart? Has the light of the gospel really penetrated so that inside of you it's light, that it's almost inside of you there's just raised and generated this heart of generosity? Or is there actually with inside of you, because this is what Jesus says, the light that you think you have is actually really darkness. And what you're filled up with is actually this spirit of stinginess. Anna, this is mine. I'm holding on to this tightly. How do you react when you see someone in need? As you give on to others, do you do it with a mind more focused on what is yours and how or how you can bless people? Time and time again, let me just race through these. In the Old Testament, God led his people to look after the poor. This is really key. This is why I was saying at the start, given those facts, this is what Jesus would say. If the kingdom's going to come alive in us and through us, this is what we all need to be doing. 
looking after the poor, those who are worse off than ourselves. Time and time again in the Old Testament, we read of this. So the rich were taught to understand that out of their abundance, they were to bless those in need. God had given money and entrusted money to some so that they could bless others. The children of Israel were taught and reminded by Yahweh that all that they had actually belonged to God. You know that psalm, the earth earth is the Lord's and everything in it? It all belonged to God and they were brought up, they were nurtured with this mindset. This would be great for some of us, self-included, to grasp that everything that we have comes from God. It's been entrusted to us. So actually, when the decision of do I give it away, it's actually we have just been entrusted with this from God. It's not actually ours, it's his that we're given away. This was the mindset of the children of Israel. And then finally, this one that I want us to reflect on just before we finish a little later. You know this, that as they were in harvest times, they were gleaning and they were, they were gathering in the crops. They were always told us to look out for the poor. And the stranger said, the, the foreigner living amongst them, those that were in need, because they were told this principle that actually, so for the farmer, if you can imagine this, the farmer would be thinking, this, this sometimes would be my thought, right? If this is mine, I'm taking it. This is my stuff. So what was happening is the farmer was gathering in all, all the crops, and it says like if some of the ears of the corn fell off. This is what they were told to do. Do not pick those up. It's not yours. God said, leave it, and leave it for the poor. Leave it for the, the foreigners who are living amongst you. And this was the principle. What you have, everything that you think is yours. So even going back to the very beginning when I said, what is your possessions that you have? Everything that you have is not just for you. Some of this is that through you, other people are going to be blessed. Other people's needs are going to be met through what God has given you. And here's the idea is that there's some of these things that are going to be left and dropped down. And what would have happened was that in all these things in, in a person's life, they are, and, and with the farmer, with the crops, this would have been left around the edges of the field so the poor could have come in. They could have taken it. They could have enjoyed. They could have had their needs met by the overflow of, of someone else's life. What has been given to you is for other people. What has been given to you is for you to be able to give away. This is the principle that we know. You have been blessed to be a blesser. It's it's just part of the Bible. You know this, but this is what it is. You've been blessed to be a blessing. When you give things, do you give things begrudgingly or with joy and happiness? Because this is the kingdom amongst us. One of the things to say, and that, by the way, for the the farmer who was uh, told to leave all this for the poor, this this wasn't his tithe. He was already tithing unto God. This was the over and above. This was generosity stuff. This was all the other things that he had. And I was recognizing that even the stuff that I do have, again, the eyes of my heart isn't on me. It's not on me. It's actually looking out to other people. Jesus was saying this was about the giving away. If there was one word that I could just use just to summarize this and then just to round this up in the next couple of minutes, one word that would summarize everything that I feel that Jesus is calling us to do in our lives, it would simply be this. Simplify. Simplify your life. Simplify your life so that others can go with more. How, how, how can you simplify your life? What well, one thing just to say firstly in this. Practically, the first thing that I think we need to do if you're going to ask how you can live more simply so that others can go with more, because I think this would be a great thing for us actually to practice. Imagine if this is a thing, as part of your discipleship, you're intentionally starting to think how you can do with less so that others can go with more. If you do not, hear me in this, if you do not intentionally think about this, you will just spend it. You will keep it for a little old you. 
because that's what we all do. If you're not intentional about this from the very beginning. So let's start thinking about how can we realistically simplify our lives so other people can go with more. The first thing I think you need to do is this. So Tash again, when she taught in the Lord's Prayer, you know the line that says, give us this day our daily bread. That idea of God, would you give me today what I actually need in my life? One of the things that I feel we actually need to do, and this would be a great thing for you to do this week, and ask the Holy Spirit just to really pinpoint to you. What is it that you actually need to be able to live with? What is it that you actually need to be able to survive? What is it that you actually need to be able to provide for your family, for your children, for some of the people that you're caring for? What is it that you actually need? Because everything else over and above that, this is all up for play. Everything else over and above what you actually need is up for play. It's up for grabs. This is part of where you can start to think, how can we simplify so that we can start to give away? This is actually a great conversation. I think if you're uh, as part of families here tonight, here with your couples, I actually think it would be a great conversation for you to be having. If you're here as an individual, I think it's a great conversation for you to be having with the Holy Spirit. Spirit, lead me in this. What are some of the things that I can reduce back on, how I can simplify to give away? I'd be asking you this. What do the edges of your field look like? If you can imagine, like again, so for the farmer, where it was stuff that was left, he knew this. Because this can be this can be the this can be the temptation for him. Like that as he dropped it, he's thinking, well, well that one's mine, I'm picking that one up. Well, there's another bit I'm dropped, I'm picking that one up. I'm trying to get more and more for me. He just knew that this was part of the will and the heart of God. But how was it given away? What do the edges of your feet look like? I, when I asked this and I wrote it down, this one I felt for me was a bit like a, a bit like a dagger to the heart. And I want to be clear on this because I don't want this to be like pointing out the speck in someone else's eye when there's actually a log of my own. I recognize sometimes that the edges of my field can be really, really, really thin. Very little in it. Sometimes it can be much more. So one of the things I found, it, I found for me is that even with my tithe where I want to give out straight away at the beginning, some of the things that I want to be generous with over and above, I want to give away straight away as well is one of the things that I would practice. I think for you, the conversation and the question you need to be asking though is, how do you reduce? How do you simplify? Because listen, this is the whole part of it. And with this, this is me almost done. The kingdom of God is present with us. The kingdom of God is yet to come. How do you live with relation to this? Because remember, here's, here's ultimately, if we go back to what it was at the very beginning, in the beginning, we were all created equal. In the beginning, there was no separation or distinction, rich or poor, male or female. We're all cre created equal in the eyes of God, right? What has happened is that sin has come in through the fall and has distorted and has twisted all of that. So God is redeeming all of those things, and this is part of how he wants to redeem this, even in our own mindsets and our own lives right now, by the kingdom of God being present with us. How do we live our lives in such a way that it's not just all about me, but it's actually about you? that we can try to live equally, this that I can share with you out of the abundance of what I have. That's a kingly and a kingdom principle that Jesus wants to release with us. Martin Luther King, Holly, maybe and the guys want to come up with you. Martin Luther King, one of the great uh, activists of civil rights, just a story about him really caught me. It says this, in 1964, the civil rights movement achieved two of its greatest successes. The ratification of the 24th Amendment, which abolished the poll tax, and the Civil Rights Act of 1964, which prohibited racial discrimination in employment and education and outlawed racial segregation in public facilities. Amazing things that he did. Listen to this. In October of that year, 
Martin Luther King Jr. was awarded the Nobel Peace Prize. He donated the prize money valued at $54,600 to the civil rights movement. Something about this man who I'm sure, I don't know about you, but if it had been me, the first thought that had been going through my mind would have been, I wonder what I could do with that. I, I know that probably would have been one of the first thoughts. Yet for him, and this is, the, this is the principle, because he was living on earth as it is in heaven, he believed his heart and his message was given that he wanted to just see equality between people. He believed that this was part of the kingdom come amongst us, that it wasn't just about him thriving, but it was about everyone thriving and everyone flourishing together. And so all this that he had, he gave away. And this is the very message that Jesus speaks to us. You know that, I think Robbie prayed it earlier. This was what he started and he said in Luke chapter 4, the spirit of the Lord was upon him. You know that proclaimed liberty and sight to the blind and people being set free. But he says this, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. He wanted to proclaim jubilee. This is what Jesus is about. Jubilee. Jubilee was about debts being written off, people being treated as equal. This is what wants to be released amongst us. And listen, this is the mindset that we need to start fostering amongst ourselves. This is why we need to be daily pressing into this. And what I would love us to do, just as we take just a few minutes before the guys worship, is just to ask God just these two questions. Firstly, I want you to take just two minutes on your own and ask God specifically, what is God saying to you? It might be something specifically about an area of your life, maybe particularly around that question of simplify. Why don't we do that tonight? What is God specifically saying to you about this area of simplify in your life? If this is the word that the Spirit is speaking to you, and this is for every single person in the room, what is God speaking to you specifically about this action of simplify? How can you do it? What does it mean for you? Life space for two minutes for the Spirit to speak to you. Then lastly, I want you to just practically step that out. What, what are you going to do about it? Again, this might be something you need to go home and chat about in couples or as families, but what are your thoughts on it? What are you going to do about it? I know that it can seem scary, 
sometimes those questions. And we're going to actually press into that a bit more next week because Jesus says to some people who maybe it would raise fear or concern, Jesus says just to trust him. You need to learn to trust. Do you know what? Living, living simply as we simplify, it frees us. Frees us to see what is really important. Frees us to focus more on the kingdom of God. This, this is what our master wants us to be about. Let's not get ourselves entangled into the things that don't really matter. Let's live freely on earth as it is in heaven. On earth as it is in heaven. Let's just, let's just bow our heads and then we'll, we'll worship off the back of this. Father, thank you for your love for us. Jesus, thank you that you teach us and you lead us into the fullness of what you have for us. God, for all of us in the room, God, I just pray, Lord, that this would be something, God, that we all embed in our lives. God, not just as an individual, but God, corporately, God, as a community. We thank you, God, even for the example, God, of our brothers and sisters back in the early moments of the church, God, in the book of Acts, God, where they gave up, God, everything that they owned and they pulled it all together to see the needs met. Thank you, God, for people, brothers and sisters that live simply and on earth as it is in heaven mindset. And God, I just pray that you would raise that within us. Raise it within us, God. God, I pray, Lord, that we would be a generous people one to another. God, I pray, Lord, that, God, this would be a town. God, this would be a city, God, where the needs of people would be met, God, by the church. God, by what you do through the church. God, what you do through the people. God, what you do through lives each and every day. Thank you that we are blessed, God, to be a blessing unto others. God, as we worship now, we just lift our amen and our praise to you, Jesus. Thank you that we have been given so much by you. And for all that you've given us, we now just want to just pour out in a heart of love towards you. God, keep our eyes focused on you, King Jesus, this week. May your kingdom come, your will be done here on earth as it is in heaven. In Jesus' name, amen. Let, let's stand and worship it tonight, can we? We hope you enjoyed listening to this podcast. For more information about our church and all that we do, please visit our website at emmanuel-church.co.uk.